Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the believer's warfare. The believer's warfare. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to honor those who've served our country. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be an American. We thank you for our country. We thank you, Lord, for... Um, the fact that you've blessed our country in so many ways down through the years. And we know that that's a lot because uh, our country officially has decided to obey you in so many ways. And our government was set up to that extent so that we could uh, have freedoms to worship the Lord. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I know our country is facing hard times right now because we have within our country people who are actually opposed to the way our country was founded. They're opposed to many of our freedoms, and they would uh, take over in an ungodly way if some people were allowed to do that. And so, Lord, we pray that you would protect our country, and I pray that you would continue to give us the freedoms that we have, and I pray that we would use those freedoms to serve you. Now, bless this message today as we talk about the believer's warfare. And I pray if there's someone who's never, never, never yet trusted Jesus as their Savior, they would realize what side they're on and how they need to trust Jesus. So accomplish your will in our lives. Meet our needs. Give enablement to bring the message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we honor our vets because we appreciate their service to our country. We live in a world that's where war or the threat of war is taking place somewhere every day. Throughout our nation's history, our vets have given of themselves so that we can be free and safe in this dangerous world in which we live. They have served as military personnel in the Army, in the Navy, in the Marines, the Air Force, Coast Guard, National Guard, whatever it might be. And all of them have sacrificed in some way for us and have many have suffered the loss of arms and legs and eyes and their hearing and health. And some have suffered outward attractiveness because they've been disfigured. Some have suffered emotional well-being, and that's why there's so many suicides among veterans today. And the emotional problems they go through are just uh, unbelievable. And also, many have paid that ultimate price and suffered by giving their lives for their country. Yes, our nation stands today on the sacrifice of these brave men and women who have given so much for us. And today we would like to say again, thank you for your service. Since Adam and Eve sinned against God, there has been conflicts caused by sin and which have resulted in wars many times throughout the earth's history. It all began when Cain killed Abel and it was a war against his own brother. And he killed Abel. That's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. 
Then the earth was filled with violence. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And so God destroyed the, known, the earth at that time, all the living, living things that breed on the earth, and particularly man who sinned against God. And the result was only eight people were saved, Noah and his family. Also, there were wars between groups of kings. We find the first reference to war in Genesis chapter 14, verse 2. The first mention of war. And it's when those kings got together and they warred against each other. And the result was, you remember, Lot was taken captive because he had pitched his tent towards Sodom. And he was living down in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they came in and took them captive. And Abraham had to go rescue them. That was the first war that's recorded in the Bible. War is mentioned 220 times in the Bible. Warfare is mentioned five times. And battle is mentioned 170 times in the Scripture. So there are many wars throughout the Bible that we, that we read about. The last event of the tribulation period, that seven-year period of, that's going to take place after the Lord raptures the church, the last event is a big war. It's called the War of Armageddon, where the kings of the earth gather together to fight against the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Then the Lord brings in a time of peace. And you remember Jesus comes, will come and rule and reign on this earth for 1,000 years. And yet at the end of that 1,000 years, the Lord will loose Satan for a little season and he will go out and deceive people and there will be multitudes as sand on the seashore for multitude who rise up to war to battle against King Jesus. And so there's that one final war. In addition to the many wars recorded in the Bible between men and men, between God and men, and even between God and Satan. We also find that there are sometimes wars between good angels and evil angels. In the book of, of Daniel, chapter 6, or rather chapter 10, it says this in verse 13, uh, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And then verse 21 says, But I will show thee that that which is noted in the scriptures of truth, for there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. And so there's war against, between the evil angels and the good angels. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragons fought and his angels. And sad to say, there's also another war that's recorded in the scripture, or wars. And it's the wars between believers. It's sad that sometimes believers would fight, that Christians would fight. But the Bible says that sometimes happens. I've heard of business meetings where fist fights broke out. I've heard of business meetings where the police officers had to be called. What a disgrace to the church of God. Well, the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 4, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? This is written to Christians. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war against in your members? Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not. So sometimes... Believers war. Of course, these are sad events, and they should never take place, and they're ne never justified. 
But there is a proper warfare for believers. There's a warfare that we as believers are involved in and that we're supposed to be involved in. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the believer's warfare. As we do that, I want to just consider this subject in a general way and and look at some things about the believer's warfare. I'm going to look at seven things about the believer's warfare. The first one is this. The war is in progress. (laughs) The war is going on. Whether you know it or not, it's going on. In fact, before you ever came a, became a Christian, it was going on. There was, there was spiritual warfare. The war was in progress. And the war was between God and Satan. And it's been going on ever since Satan rebelled against the Lord. And so there's been conflict between the Lord. And actually, when you began your life, guess whose side you were on? As a little babe, and then as a child, you were on the devil's side. Because the Bible says that we're born, uh, that we're born as we're when we're born, we're sinners, and that we sin naturally because we are sinners. And so people have to uh, decide that they're going to leave the devil's side and go to the Lord's side because you begin on the devil's side. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, verse two. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you had your conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So before we got saved, we were on the devil's side, fighting with the devil, and we were, we were the Lord's enemy until we trusted Jesus as our Savior. And so the war is in progress and has been in progress since the beginning when the, the devil revolted against the Lord Jesus, against God. And so the war is in progress. The second thing I want us to note is you can choose to leave the devil's side and follow Jesus. You can choose to leave the devil's side and follow Jesus. Jesus died for all of us, and he was willing to do that so that we would not perish. And the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died for all of us so that we could be changed from the devil's side unto the Lord's side. Now, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, you actually chose to follow the commander, the Lord Jesus. So here you are, you you grow up and you realize you're confronted with the gospel and you realize, I'm an enemy of God. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I'm actually on the devil's side in this war. But I want to change. I've realized Jesus died for me and he died for my sins on the cross of Calvary. And I want to accept him as my Savior. And I want to follow the Lord Jesus. And so we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Romans 10 says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word saved means rescued. You're in the devil's army, but you can be rescued that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, Rome, and verse 13 says, whosoever, whosoever, 
Anybody can be saved if they will call upon the name of the Lord. He will save them. And so the Lord will rescue you. And when you choose the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, now you might not have thought about this, probably didn't when you trusted the Lord. I imagine that when very few of us, when we trusted the Lord, never thought about the conflict. We never thought about this spiritual warfare that's going on. But we realized that we were in a lost condition, separated from God because of our sin. And we trusted Jesus as our Savior. But when we trusted Him as our Savior, we chose to accept the Lord. Then the Bible says the Lord chose to put us in His army. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So if you're a Christian, you chose Jesus as your Savior. And when you chose Jesus as your Savior, the Lord put you in his army. So if you're saved, you are in God's army. Now, you might be a good soldier, a bad soldier, a mediocre soldier, but you're in God's army if you're saved. If the Lord's truly saved you, you are in the Lord's army. And so you know Jesus as your Savior. Now, if you die as Satan's soldier, I want you to understand something, and that is that's not God's fault. If you die as Satan's soldier, that's not God's fault. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever in that world will believe on him, they would not perish. The Bible says the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The scripture says in John 3, verse 18, that that, uh, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And here's the reason he's condemned already. Because he would not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so, if you are in the the devil's army, and you've confronted with the gospel, and you've rejected it, and you go to hell, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. In fact, if you never hear the gospel, it's not God's fault. Because the Lord gives you evidence in creation, and so much in your conscience, and he, he lets you know that there truly is a God and He's good. And God lets you know that there's a void in you that must be filled. And I believe that the person who truly responds to those revelations the Lord gives in nature and in His conscience, the Lord will send the message so that He can believe the gospel. So nobody can blame God for their lost condition and for the fact that they're on the devil's side. And so we need to understand that. The third thing I want us to see is this. When you choose Jesus, he gives you all that you need for the warfare. When you choose to trust Jesus as your Savior, you become a soldier of the Lord Jesus. And he gives you everything you need for the warfare. That's why I've often said that if if we were having a service and I was preaching the gospel and somebody came in and they're, they're drunk, you can even smell it on them, and they, but they're under conviction, they come and they trust the Lord as their Savior, they're weeping and, and they call out to the Lord and they have a reprobate life. I mean, if they've done so many bad things and their life is ruined and wrecked, I could stand with that person, even though I've been a pastor for over 40 years, and I could stand that person, I could put my arm around their shoulder and I can say, folks, I want you to understand, I have nothing that this man doesn't have. He has everything. 
Because when you get saved, God gives you his righteousness. God gives you all that you need to serve him. And he has everything that, I, that he needs just like I do. And he can be what God wants him to be because he has what he needs. And so when you trust Jesus as your Savior, he gives everything that you need for the warfare. Now let's go through some of the things that God gives us. First of all, God gives us a war manual. The war manual is the Bible. We're involved in a warfare. And God gives us a war manual, and this is the Bible. The war manual tells us about our enemy. It tells us about his tactics. It tells us about the maneuvering he's done down through the years. It tells us about he, how he traps people and deceives people and what he uses, and that sometimes he uses so-called ministers of righteousness who disguise themselves. It tells us a lot about the devil. It also tells us about how the battle's going to end. It tells us who's going to win. It tells us the end of the enemy and all of that. It tells us all that we need to know and how we can be victorious. We have the war manual right here. And so, as a soldier, we have what we need. We also have constant communion with the commander. Now, there's never been a soldier that had that, that I know of. And that is constant communion with the commander. The commander-in-chief is the president of the United States. If you go to war for the president for the United States, then your commander-in-chief is the president. If you go to war for the United States, your commander-in-chief is the president. But there's no soldier out on the battlefield who talks directly to the president and asks him what he should do. But we as God's people, we're soldiers of the Lord, and we have a constant communication with the commander. And that is any time we want, we can do as Hebrews says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain grace and find grace to help in time of need. You can have mercy that you need. You can have the grace that you need. You can have the help that you need because you can approach boldly the throne of grace. And so you have constant communion with the commander. Another thing we have is the armor we need. The armor we need. We're told about that in Ephesians chapter 6. We recently uh, mentioned that in a message. But in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us about the army and uh, the armor. And let's just go over those parts of the armor real quickly. And beginning in verse 12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And therefore, we need to put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand. He says in verse 13, Wherefore, take into you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, where is truth? Well, the truth is in the Word of God. And God gives us truth. And our loins are girt about with truth. And so when you go out to battle, you have the proper armor that you need. Your loins girt about with truth. He says you have the breastplate of righteousness. We know that we have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to our account, but we also have a righteousness because the Lord says we can do right things because he tells us what to do. And we're living right, we're doing right. And so the child of God has that as a defense. When you don't, don't do what God wants you to do, uh, you're taking some of your armor off. But we have the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Everywhere we go, we have the message that God wants us to take into this battle. And that message is about the gospel and how Jesus died for us on the cross of Calvary and how he will be the person's savior to whom we're talking to. And we have that gospel. We also take the shield of faith. Faith is believing God. And we know that. We know he's true. And the Bible tells us all about him. And it tells us how to exercise faith. And we have the shield of faith wherewith we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So we have the armor that we need. In addition to that, he says we have the helmet of salvation. We know that we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. And we have the helmet of salvation. And so we have this armor that we need. Also, we have the weapon that we need. The Bible speaks of that in the same passage in chapter in verse 17. And he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The offensive weapon we have is the Word of God. And so we have all that we need as a Christian. And then he says that we add to that prayer. We pray. He says, praying always, all prayer and supplication. And that's that, that what we need. You remember, with constant communion with the commander, we have that. And then we also, in addition to the armor and the, communion, the, the uh, constant communion with the commander, and uh, in addition to the, the weapon that we have, we have something else, and that is we have the power that we need. So if you go out to battle, you know, you might have a day where you get up and and you've got to go to go fight, but you are so weak and you're so tired and you don't feel like doing it. God get, makes us willing and gives the, us the power to do through his spirit. So we are indwelt by the spirit of God. And the Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 6, strengthen with all might by his spirit. And so the spirit gives us the power that we need. In Colossians 1 verse 11, strength with all might according to his glorious power. And so we have the power of God at our disposal. And he lives inside of us and gives us that enablement to do what we need to do. We have everything that we need for the warfare. When you get saved, you have that. And then our text passage this morning sums it all up. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read these verses. And it said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We had, in our Sunday school class this morning, we talked about how you can rise above what your, what your family is. How can you do that? Through the power of God. God can do that. And that's what he's saying here. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can be what we need to be as a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will make us victorious. And so God gives us everything that we need. The next thing I'd like to notice is this. There are three fronts to the warfare. We have three fronts to the warfare, the spiritual warfare that we're in. And that's the front of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is that world that we live in, all the ideas that they have and their way of looking at things, the world. The world, the Bible tells us, is opposed to God. The, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to the world. Don't let the world pour you into its mold. Don't let the world make you like it is. You're to be different than the world. A Christian should stand out and, and people should notice you are not worldly. You're not like the world. 
because the world is not our friend. It's our enemy. And so the, one of the fronts that we face as the Lord's soldier in this, in this believer's warfare, one of the fronts is the world. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, who says, who gave himself for us our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world. So the world is evil, and the world is against us, and it doesn't want us to be what Christ wants us to be. And so the world is a front uh, of our, is, is one of the fronts that we face. John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the world hateth you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the world lieth in wickedness. And 1 John 2, verse 15 says, love not the world. So the world is our enemy. And one of the fronts that we face in the spiritual warfare is the world. The other front is the flesh. The flesh is us. It's our sinful flesh, our sinful desires, our old nature. And even though we're saved and have the new nature, we still have that. And so one of the battles that we face, one of the fronts of our warfare is the flesh. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. The Spirit who lives in us gives us the power to be what we should be. The flesh wars against that. And so the flesh will get you to compromise. The flesh will get you to fall to temptation. The flesh will get you to do what God doesn't want you to do, just to satisfy your desires. And the Lord says you, you fight against that. And so Paul says, I, I look at my body and I realize that my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so he says, I buffet my body. I bring it under control, lest that at any time I would be a castaway after I preach to others. And so Paul uh, fought against the flesh. He so told about that in Romans chapter 7. He said, I find that, that what I want to do, I, don't end up, I end up not doing. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. And that's my flesh fighting against me. And that's a front of the battle that I face. And he says, what can I do? Who will deliver me? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can give you victory over the flesh. So we have the world, we have the flesh, and then there's another front, and that is the devil. The devil is that spiritual enemy behind the scenes that's fighting against us. The scripture says, your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So in this believer's warfare, we have these fronts, and one of those is the very real front of the devil. He is against you. He doesn't like you. I, I love to tell young people this. Know something you need to understand. The Lord loves you. The devil hates you. And when the world and, and the devil's behind that tries to get you to compromise and do something God doesn't want you to do, you need to understand the one behind that hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants your life to be ruined and wrecked. But the devil loves you. Or the Lord loves you. The devil hates you. The Lord loves you. And he will not do anything wrong to you. He's never against you. He's always for you. And so when you're faced with a choice, what shall I do? The answer is, what would God want me to do? What would God want me to do? Because I understand the devil's my enemy. That's one of, my, that's one of the fronts of my warfare is the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But the Lord is sufficient to meet all those. He's sufficient to give us victory on all those things. And so he says in Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
And even though you have these fronts against you, you can be victorious as the Lord's soldier. And then there's something else we need to understand about the believer's warfare. And that is, in the believer's warfare, you can be wounded in the warfare. You can be wounded in the warfare. You know, our nation has gone to war at various times. And uh, always in those wars, there's people who are wounded. Now, we might win the battle. We might win the war. Uh, Brother Bernard told me the other day, he was, you know, he's heading toward conflict, but then the war ended and he didn't have to go. So what, was, what happened? We won. We won the war. But were there people that were injured in the war? Yes, there were. There were people who were hit by the enemy. They were people who were, were hurt by the enemy. And that's the way it is in the Lord's warfare. And Christians, believers in the, in the warfare with the, with the devil, sometimes are hurt. Now that means you're hurt because you allowed the devil to hit you. And sin does that. Can a Christian soldier be wounded in the battle? He sure can. Because a Christian soldier can be caused to sin. And the devil can lead him into sin. So there's been many a person who started off right and they were trusting the Lord and living for the Lord. And the devil brought some sin in their life and, and just really brought them down and they wounded in the battle. And so the Christian soldier can be wounded in the battle. There are many crippled, maimed Christian soldiers. Many have disgraced their commander and some have even been taken, had their life taken from them in the battle. Sometimes... The Lord sees that we're not winning, we're not doing right, and to, rather to take, take away some, some disgrace from him, he takes that soldier home. And so you can be wounded in the battle. We need to understand the spiritual warfare is real. It's real. And all of us who know Jesus are in it. And you should never let your guard down. Brother Bob's here and he's 100 years old. But there's never time as long as Bob lives to let his guard down <laughs> because the devil's out to get him just like he's out to get us. Wouldn't it be a prize for the devil to get a man who's lived for the Lord for a long time and 100 years old and cause him to do something that brings disgrace to the Lord? Sure it would be. The devil would love that. <laughs> and the same is true of you and me. He would love to bring us down. I've been a pastor for a long time. And... Uh, as far as I know, I have a fairly good reputation. But you know, that could be ruined in a day. That could be ruined in a day. And would the devil like to do that? You better believe he would. <laughs> I have 20 grandchildren, six children, and then uh, in-laws, all and my relatives, and the past churches I've pastored before, and, and it's people who, who, who look up to me and and uh, the, the devil could change all that in a matter of time. And he could bring sin into my life. But we can't let that happen. Because we know this. It's possible for a warrior of the Lord to be wounded. I've given you the illustration before, I think, but I read many years ago about a man who's a well-known person in, in, in Christian circles. And he was traveling and he was... On the, in his future life, or rather his past life, before he got saved, he was involved in drink and 
and he was a drunk, but God saved him, transformed his life, and turned him into a minister of the gospel, and he was living for the Lord and brought a lot of people to the Lord. And one day he was on an airplane, and he was very depressed. A lot of things were happening in his life, and he just really felt down. And the stewardess, as they did in those days, well, I guess they still do, but they came back and offered him a drink. And because of his past and because of all he was going through that time, he was so tempted to take that drink. But he said no to the flesh. And he said, no, thank you. A little bit after that, a lady came up from behind him, tapped him on the shoulder and said, sir, you don't know who I am, but I am so-and-so. And I remember you when I was a kid, and you meant so much to my life and to my family. Now, what would have happened if he would have taken that drink that day in a moment of weakness? Reputation would have come tum- tumbling down, and the devil in the background would laugh, and he would have a good time, and he would be so happy that he wounded one of God's soldiers. Yes, we can be wounded in the warfare. But then finally, I want us to, next to the last, I want us to say this. All believers are assured of ultimate victory. If you're in God's army, even if you're wounded by sin, even if you do something that maybe gives you a, a, a dishonor, maybe you've brought reproach to your commander, but we know this, if you're truly saved, if you're in God's army, you will ultimately win. Isn't that great? We don't get what we deserve. (laughs) We get grace. When you trusted Jesus as your Savior, you didn't deserve to be saved. You didn't deserve for the promise to go to heaven. You didn't deserve to be a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You didn't deserve all that, but it's by grace because you believed in Jesus. And when you die, every Christian soldier is ultimately going to be victorious because all of us will go to heaven. All of us will escape hell, and all of us will receive a new body at the rapture and the resurrection. We will receive a brand new body and a new home and all that because we know Jesus as our personal Savior. Aren't you glad of that? That even though we've been soldiers and maybe we've messed up some along the way and we haven't been the best soldier we can be, if we trust Jesus as our Savior and uh, he says that ultimately you're going to win, And you might be disappointed in in your service, but if you trust Jesus as your Savior, you're ultimately going to win. And you just knowing that to be true gives you an incentive to live for the Lord. (laughs) He loves me so much, I want to live for him. But then there's one final thing I want to mention about the believer's warfare. And that is all believers, all soldiers of the Lord Jesus will face their commander-in-chief at the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to make it home, yes, but we're all going to face the judgment seat of Christ. And seated on the judgment seat of Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And we stand there before him, we'll realize the only reason we're here, the only reason we have the privilege to be here rather than at the great white throne judgment where unbelievers are, the only reason we have the privilege to be here is because of he who sits on that throne. 
It's only because of him. He died for me. He loved me and all that. He, he, he gave his life for me so that I could be saved. And he saved me. But here I stand before him and I'm going to give an account. And the Bible says we'll all give an account. Romans 14, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We will account for our soldiership. I guess that's a good word. We will account for our service as a soldier to the Lord. We will account for the times that we were in battle, whether we were faithful or whether we were not. We will account for the times that maybe we were in battle, but we flirted around with the enemy. We will account for that. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There come the time that we as God's soldiers will stand before our commander-in-chief, and that's the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says the Lord will give out rewards, and there will be crowns passed out for service to him. And if you've been a good soldier of Jesus Christ, if you've pleased him who chose you to be a soldier, there will be rewards that the Lord will give. And according to the book of Revelation, I think there's evidence that we will take those rewards and we'll place them at the feet of Jesus. It's like we're given a, a crown and we're wearing that crown and we look at Jesus and think, I don't deserve this. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do anything for him. And so in respect to the Lord, I take off my crown and I place it at his feet and say, thank you, Lord. Won't it be humiliating as a soldier of Jesus to realize when we stand before him that we have not been faithful, that we've compromised so many ways and we've disobeyed our Lord. And even though we're there in heaven, we have nothing to lay at his feet. It will be a humbling time for sure. The battle is often hard, but when we see Jesus, It'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. Yeah, we've seen several things today. The war is in progress. We know that. You can choose to follow Jesus, and most of you have. When you choose Jesus, he gives you all that you need for the battle. So if you failed, it's not his fault. He gave us all that we need. There are three fronts to the battle, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can be wounded in the warfare, and I hope that you're not. I hope that we will not be wounded by sin. But all believers are assured of ultimate victory. We're going to see our Savior. But when we do, we will stand before his judgment seat and give an account. The believer's warfare. If you know Jesus, you're in it, and I'm in it. The question is, are we pleasing him who chose us to be a soldier? If, you're not, if you haven't trusted Jesus, I remind you again as we close that you are on the losing side. You're following the devil, and he hates you, and he doesn't want you to be blessed at all. He wants to keep from you God's blessings, and he wants you to die and go to hell because he knows that's where he's going to go. And so if you're on the devil's side, I hope that today that you'll be impressed by the fact that Jesus loves you, 
died for you, paid the price for your sins, rose again the third day, wants to be your Savior, and you'll flee to him and trust him as your Savior. And when you do, he'll save you, and then he'll put you in the battle, (laughs) and you'll be the Lord's warrior. May God help us to be good warriors for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for allowing us to see the believer's warfare. I'm sure there's so much that we haven't covered, Lord, but I thank you that we can notice these things, and I pray that you'd help us to be good soldiers for Jesus Christ. Again, we thank you for our veterans and for all those all across our country who have dedicated themselves for our country. We thank you for them. But Lord, I pray for each of them that they would look past that that recognition of being a veteran to the fact that there's another conflict going on. And I pray that those those veterans who haven't trusted Jesus, that they'll trust him before it's too late. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be your soldier. In Jesus' name.